And again, I'm uh, totally shocked by my daughter's performance a moment ago. I just can't believe that that happened, but I really, really do appreciate that. It's good to have this candlelight service tonight. I thought about maybe canceling it this year and not having candlelight, but instead have everybody bring their cell phones and hold them up and... We would do it that way. But the candles seem to have a little bit better effect, I think, don't they? This evening, I'd like to read the story of Christmas from the Gospel of Luke, chapters 1 and 2. We have two places in Scripture that record the birth of Christ. These are in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Luke. The other two Gospel writers don't tell us about the birth of Jesus. They begin his life story at the point that he began his public ministry. And so we have these two accounts, one in in Matthew and the other in Luke. And tonight I want to read to you from Luke. And if you can join us for our services tomorrow morning, we'll read the other one that we find in the Gospel of Matthew. But this is what Luke recorded. And actually, this is the more complete of the accounts of Christ's birth. Luke's purpose is to deal with the humanity of Christ and... Matthew's purpose was to speak of Christ's kingship and of his deity. And if I were to describe the differences between what you find in these two Gospels, Matthew and Luke, I would have to say that Luke gives us more of a view that a mother would give. The story as a mother would tell us. And of course, he gives us details about Mary and Uh, how that the angel appeared to her. And it tells us here in the book of Luke also about how that an angel appeared to uh, Zacharias and told him that he was going to have a child. This was uh, Mary's cousin Elizabeth was about to have a baby as well. She became pregnant about six months before Mary did. And her son, of course, was John the Baptist. And he played a very integral part in the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. So I'm reading tonight from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse number 26. And this begins where the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God." And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. 
Then in the rest of that first chapter, the narrative goes into the birth of John the Baptist. And the Christmas story continues then in the beginning of the second chapter of Luke. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I would be tempted to end the service tonight with the reading of God's word. And we would just pause and reflect and very carefully contemplate what's said in this scripture. And there really wouldn't be anything wrong with that. The Holy Spirit is well capable of taking the word of God that we've just read and applying it to our hearts and helping us to learn something from it. Uh, We can rejoice in such a wonderful text just by reading God's word. But these are scriptures that beg for comment. They scream for comment. And the problem that I have is where to begin and where to end. And our our time tonight is not sufficient for us to go into all of this, to explore all the nuances of the things that Luke has recorded here. And so tonight the message will be just a little bit different from what we would do usually. Uh, If you've attended Berean, you know that what we do is we take the text and we break it down. And we would take these two texts and we would go verse by verse and try to find all those little nuances and the special character of each thing that's been written. But I know that you want to get home and you want to spend time with your families. And so I'm not going to keep you much longer this evening. But I am drawn to one phrase here in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And this is when the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary and said to her, Fear not, Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. If I were to give you 
some of the greatest understatements that are recorded in the Bible, that would be one that would be right at the top of my list. The angel spoke to Mary and said, Thou hast found favor with God. Now, if that had been the first time that the Scripture said anything at all about the birth of the Messiah, if this was the very first place in Scripture that we read that that God was going to send his Son into the world, that God would actually come to this world in human form, then we might say that the angel's statement would be surprising for sure, but it wouldn't have carried with it the full sense of how truly blessed that Mary was to receive this news. If we go back to the Old Testament and the promise that was made in the book of Isaiah, we read about the Messiah there, and Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. It would be highly unlikely that Mary would not have known what was recorded in the Scripture, especially considering that one of her relatives, Zacharias, who was the father of John the Baptist, was one who was a priest in the temple. Mary was like thousands of Jewish girls that went before her. They grew up being taught the Old Testament scriptures. She was also in the lineage of David, and we read that in Luke chapter 3. And so like thousands of Jewish girls before her, each one could have hoped for nothing more blessed and profound than to be that virgin that's spoken of in the book of Isaiah. Jewish women prayed for that. They longed for that, uh, for their little girls to, uh, that would be what would happen to them. And I can't say that they fully understood it, but they did want uh, to be the mother of the promised Messiah, the one who would be the everlasting king that would sit upon the throne of David. And Isaiah is not the only prophet that tells us about Jesus. We have the promise going all the way back into the book of Genesis. There in Genesis 3.15, when uh, God spoke to Mary, or spoke rather to Adam and Eve, and, and Eve received a promise in Genesis 3.15 about the Savior. And I'm, I'm not sure that she really understood that when it was told her. But by the time that the patriarchs came along, and we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, surely they understood what God was going to do. Because when Jacob just before he died, he blessed his sons. He gave them a special blessing. And there was one of his sons, Judah, that he said to him that a lawgiver will not depart from beneath your feet. He said, there's going to be one who's going to come from you who will be the lawgiver. And he meant the Messiah. And that promise was repeated many times down through the ages. The prophets told about that told about this many of them had uh, scriptures that they wrote concerning the everlasting kingdom that was to come and so when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said to her God has favored you God has blessed you that had to take some time for processing Thousands of years of history had gone by since the original promise. Thousands of young girls had hoped for this. Thousands of mothers had prayed for their little girls that this would happen to them. And then to have an angel come to this unknown girl in a small, unimportant village in Galilee and tell her that God has shown favor to you because he's chosen you to bring the Savior into the world, that is an understatement of massive proportions. Mary is the only one in human history to do this. This had never been done before. It'll never be done again. Virgins do not conceive. And especially, they do not bear the Savior of the world. They do not give birth to the only begotten Son of God. 
Then I'm also drawn to this statement, thou hast found favor with God, because this was grace that was granted to her by God. The angel didn't say to her, God has found grace in you. The angel didn't say, you are blessed among women because there is grace in you. Mary had no grace in her. Mary was a sinner that needed grace just as much as every person in this room. Mary said as much in the 47th verse of the first chapter of Luke. She said, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Sinless people don't need a Savior. But Mary needed one because she wasn't unlike us. She was born in sin. And so she needed God's grace to come and touch her and to save her every bit as much as every person in this room. I'm also drawn to this statement, Thou hast found favor with God, because the angel said to her, Fear not. Why should she fear? Well, she feared because not every day an angel appears to someone. She was frightened by the supernatural, no doubt. But more than that, I believe that she was frightened because she was in the presence of holiness. This is a messenger that's been sent from God. This angel represented God, and he knew her sinfulness. She knew the thoughts that she had thought that day. And can any of us say that we've ever gone through a whole day without thinking one evil thought? Or even gone through this day today without doing some evil, sinful deed? And Mary was no different in that regard. The angel came to her and he knew her. And Mary knew enough that if this was a messenger that had been sent from God, that God knew her. And God knew everything that she had done that day and everything she'd done in her entire life. But in spite of the sins that she had committed, she was favored by God. Now, I hope that you understand again uh, what this word favored means. It means that God had graced her. Favored is the same word that we find in Ephesians 2 verse 8, which says, By grace are you saved. That's the same word. By favor are you saved. We could say it the same way. And so it is by the grace of God that she was saved and not by grace in her. Now, Roman Catholicism has misinterpreted Luke one twenty eight, and they read it this way. And the angel being come in said unto her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. But the scriptures don't actually say that. Mary was not full of grace. She was not a dispenser of grace. She needed grace just like you and me. And so I'm drawn to that statement, thou hast found favor with God because I know that my salvation came in the same way that hers did. It was by God's divine choice to favor Mary. And I'm no different. It was God's divine choice that favored me and he saved me because I'm a sinner. I mean, there's nothing in me that would cause God to save me. It's only by his divine grace that I'm saved. And so I look at Mary and I see her as one girl among thousands, among millions in the history of Israel that was chosen for this. And if you're saved tonight, you've been graced by God. You've been favored by God because you could have been passed over. There are 7 billion people that live in the world today. And the vast majority of them will never hear of Jesus Christ. They will never believe in him. And so can we say that we are favored because we have heard the gospel of Christ? Are we favored because we're here tonight and we have a copy of God's word that we can read of this blessed story of the birth of Jesus Christ the Savior? 
And are we favored that we have believed and that we will not suffer the wrath of God for our sins as so many will? I mean, could you say that that is an understatement for God to say, thou hast found favor with God? There's nothing that compares to that. No one has been so richly blessed as to have found God's favor in the free pardon of their sins. I know there's much made about the willingness of Mary to endure the ridicule, the strange disapproving looks that she would own because she had become pregnant before her marriage with Joseph was consummated. And there's much said about her strong will and how she didn't bend or break and under all the pressure that she was under. But I know this, that when the angel said, thou hast found favor with God, that included in that statement was the promise that God's grace would continue in her. By God's grace, she would have the strength to do this. God wasn't going to desert her. God wouldn't leave her to fight this fight alone. His grace was sufficient to carry her all the way through. And even as we read a little bit later in the book of Luke, where Simeon said to her, Behold, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that that grace that was given to her carried her all the way through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. She watched her own son die on that cruel cross. And I'm drawn to this statement, Thou hast found favor with God, because I know that God's grace works the same way in me as it did in her. I know that it's by God's grace that my salvation is kept safe and secure. God's word says, For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I want to tell you tonight that that is really the heart of the Christmas story. We have found favor with God because he sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. It's an understatement to say that we found favor with God because we're so undeserving of this wonderful gift that God sent down from heaven. And so as you fellowship with your family and friends tonight and give gifts to one another, as you see the joy that Christmas brings to your family, you really need to take time to consider this, that God has spoken to you and has said, Thou hast found favor. You have been graced. And there are no profounder words that could ever be spoken than for God to say, I have sent my son to you, and you have found favor. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence, and truly we have been so favored, so graced by Jesus coming into the world to give himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And we thank you for this season of Christmas that we can gather here tonight and think about this wonderful gift that you've given. Uh, there is no greater gift that could be given than the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough that even though we were such vile sinners that you decided to reach down and lift us out of that sinful condition in which we were in to set our feet on a solid rock of Jesus Christ and the salvation and the hope that we have in him. Lord, I just pray that every single person here tonight would think about this tonight. Think about the, the gift that God has given and truly understand how favored, how graced that we are, that God would do such a wonderful thing for us. We praise you for your son. We praise you for the salvation that we have in him. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together to celebrate the birth 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.